Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Whatever time of day it might be where you're listening, it's always a great day to live life inspired and energized with fitness and faith. This is your fitness and faith coach, Mike Kipp, and I'd like to thank you for joining us. In this episode of the Fitness and Faith Podcast, we will talk about the importance of exertion partners and accountability teams. You'll hear about the best prayer position, I know you'll want to hear that, and we'll visit with Dustin Stradley. Dustin is the campus pastor at Elevation Church in Roanoke, Virginia, and he has an interesting story to share with us. Exertion partners are an important piece of any workout program. Whenever we are engaged in heavy resistance training, we need to have a spotter. A spotter is someone who is there to help us if a weight becomes too heavy as our muscles become exhausted. For example, if I'm doing bench press as my exertion, I need someone to stand behind the bench that can help me lift the weight if it becomes too much for me to lift by myself. If my exertion is squats, it would be best if I had two spotters, one on each end of the bar, because that is the best way others could help me if I falter. In choosing a spotter, it makes sense to have a person that cares about your well-being. You don't want a spotter who doesn't care about you or is easily distracted. In my work with student-athletes, I've seen distracted spotters put those they are spotting in some pretty tough situations. You can get hurt if your spotter is not intent on aiding you. If we are serious about our commitment towards fitness, it is also wise for us to have a couple of accountability partners who can help us keep our exertion and intake commitments. Sometimes these partners might actually work out with us. Other times they may not, but the most important quality is, once again, their care for our well-being. In his book entitled The Power of Who, a who friend of a who friend of mine, you'll have to read the book to know what in the world that's all about, Anyway, his name is Bob Bodine, and he writes about who friends. These are people in our lives that care a great deal about us. They are the ones from whom we can seek help in many areas of our lives, including our fitness, because they care about us. And when people truly care about us, they want to help us succeed. The bottom line is this. People who care about us are an important ingredient that must be added to our fitness success recipe. They are a vital nutrient. They are an important mineral. They are a valuable supplement, and we need them. This fact pertains to our spiritual fitness just as it does our physical fitness. We must have spotters and accountability partners that help us in our journey towards spiritual fitness. People that care enough to give us a lift when we need it are indispensable in our spiritual journey. Who friends that will hold us accountable with our spiritual intake and exertion will make necessary contributions to our success. If we really want to become more physically and spiritually fit, we will involve people who will care about us in our quest. Who is on your list of who friends? Who do you need to get involved in your journey? And who do you need to spot and hold accountable in their journey? In God's Word, we find this concept in the Old Testament. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. 
three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. This concept of accountability is one of the primary fundamentals of Fitness and Faith Ministries, and it is a major benefit of the Fitness and Faith team membership. No one is an island. Our connection with like-minded and caring people is a must if we are to be successful. It's time once again for a little Fitness and Faith Funny. Three preachers sat discussing the best positions for prayer while a cable repairman worked nearby. Kneeling is definitely best, claimed one preacher. No, another contended. I feel the optimum position is standing with my hands outstretched to heaven. You're both wrong, the third preacher insisted. The most effective prayer position is lying prostrate face down on the floor. The repairman could contain himself no longer. Hey, fellas, he interrupted. The best praying I ever did was while hanging upside down from a telephone pole. Dustin Stradley, the campus pastor at Elevation Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Dustin, thanks for joining us today. Hey, it's an honor to join you, Mike. I'm excited to share some of the things that God's been doing here. Hey, please tell us a little bit about your church. Uh, I know you are spread out all over the place, and your role. So Elevation Church originated in Charlotte, North Carolina, by Pastor Stephen Furtick. He, his wife, and seven other families stepped out in faith 11 years ago and really wanted to create space for God to use them to reach people far from God. And it all started with 121 people at our first church service in Charlotte, North Carolina, and now over the past 11 years has grown to 17 different locations spread throughout North Carolina, one in Florida, one all the way up into Toronto, Canada, and one right here in Roanoke, Virginia. And we've seen God do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. So it's been exciting to be a part of. That's amazing to see how that's spread out all over the place. And then I'm sure there's interesting stories that we can't get into right now about the ways they got put in different places in the in the country. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just seeing people passionate about what God was doing through our ministry, and they wanted to see that same revival or move of God or whatever you want to call it happened in their city and people getting out of their comfort zone and and reaching out to their friends and their family and started watching sermons online and started watching sermons in their living room and organically out of that we started seeing Elevation Church locations pop up in different cities so it's pretty incredible to see. That is amazing. Can you give us a little of your background and how you ended up in ministry? So let me give you quick context, Mike, because I think it'll help, but I grew up going to church, but I didn't have great church experiences, and I'm grateful that my parents took me to church growing up in a Southern Baptist church, but along the way, had some judgmental experiences. I grew up in a family where I saw 
10 different divorces happen in my immediate family. Bankruptcy happened in my immediate family. So being surrounded by parents who were arguing all the time or being surrounded by uh, family members who were going to multiple family members who went to jail, um, it, it was rough. It was challenging to see all of that. So when I branched out and tried to discover who I was, in 2004, when I went to college, that's when I started falling away from God and started exploring what it looked like to do drugs and drink alcohol and, and find my identity and all these things but God. And I ended up going to jail twice, and it was July of 2009 that I woke up and I was wearing an orange jumpsuit laying in a jail cell. And I had no idea how I got there, but after a night of drinking and drugging, I got behind the wheel of a car, literally 50 feet from pulling out into a busy intersection, I got into a wreck, and that's what landed me in the jail. And as soon as I got out of jail the next day, I remember having all these feelings of unworthiness and really that I didn't amount to anything. And I felt like I needed to give up. And pretty close to being on the edge of giving up, my roommate, Brett, at the time, he came downstairs and said, hey, man, I need you to get up. I know you're in a tough place, but I'm going to take you to church. And Mike, I hadn't been to church in seven years at that point. So he threw me in the car, and a couple of days later, took me to Elevation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, and that was August 9th of 2009. And I loved the sermon. I loved the worship. I was inspired to see uh, young people, old people, uh, diversity all across the board, people excited about God and church. That was foreign to me. And I remember this feeling, though, more than any of that, it was the way the people made me feel when I first stepped foot into that church. They didn't care where I'd been just a few days before. They only cared that I was there that day. And they loved me for exactly who I was. And when they met me with arms wide open, that was the first time that I felt the tangible love of Jesus in my life. And that seed was planted, and over the next three years, transformation happened. God continued to mold me and gave me opportunities, and I started serving in the church. I got baptized after giving my life to Christ, and now... Fast forward eight years later, I had the honor and privilege of being a pastor within the same ministry, and that's how I ended up in Roanoke, Virginia, leading a church right here. That's incredible, and 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 throughout the incredible story you just gave me, it, it kept uh, my mind kept focusing on the strength that your roommate had in that one instance to get you up and take you to church. Absolutely. And I'm still friends with Brett to this day, and I reach out to him frequently because I don't know if he understands the magnitude of that simple invitation that he extended to me and how it led to significant impact. And I tell him, hey, Brett, you realize if you wouldn't have boldly said, hey, I'm taking you to church. I know you haven't been in seven years. I know that you've had some bad experiences. But I think you're going to like this church. And he'd only been one other time. But because he created space 
in a way to be used by God, my life has been forever changed. And I'm forever grateful and, and honor him for that. I hope that some of the people that are listening that sometimes think, oh, you know, I can't do too much. There's so much you can do. And it may be just but, inviting somebody to church. Absolutely. And I challenge all of those who volunteer with us now at the church. One way that they can partner with God and make an impact is simply inviting their friends, their family, the person who served me coffee today at Starbucks. Anywhere I go, I see it as an opportunity. I don't know if that person is going to go to heaven. They're going to go to hell. I don't know what what they went through last night. I don't know if their marriage is falling apart. I, I have no idea what anybody is going through, but I do know that I can partner with God by simply saying, hey, I want to know who you are, what's your name, memorize their name, and then invite them to come experience what we get to experience in our local church. Yeah, that's awesome. How about your physical journey? Can you describe that for us? How did strength and fitness become important to you? Absolutely, Mike. So it was 2007 that it was December of that year. I remember going home for the holidays, and two of my roommates at that time, two different roommates at that time, they made a bet on how much more weight I was going to gain over the holidays because I had gained nearly 50 pounds in a year and a half between 2005, 2007, that time frame. And I caught word of that, and I was like, you're actually making bets about how much more weight I'm going to gain? And I remember seeing a picture of myself on a ski trip that winter and how much weight I had gained. It looked like I'd shoved acorns in my cheeks like a, like a chipmunk and, uh, or squirrel. And, and I was like, what has happened to me? And it was the, the, the fast food diet, the Taco Bell, the pizza, whatever I could afford at that time, uh, drinking beer, everything else. And I knew something had to change because that wasn't me. So over the next three months, I really cracked down on working out on a consistent basis, which at that time was about three days a week, and eating healthy, eating clean. And for me, that was cutting out the fast food and started to make my own food and started finding things that I loved and, and surrounded myself with other people who were on that journey as well. And I lost 47 pounds in three months. And that was what sparked my passion for nutrition and fitness. And since then, P90X, which a lot of people are familiar with, is by Beachbody. It was a 90-day workout. I went through that to challenge myself, and I did it with a couple of other guys that I was friends with. And on the other side of it, I thought to myself, if I can complete this kind of challenge in the 90-day period, what else can I do? So I then entered into a fitness contest in the workplace. I worked in the insurance industry at that time, and I ended up losing 12 pounds and gained muscle and lost body fat, and I just progressively continued to eat cleaner and cleaner and cleaner and cleaner, so I won that fitness contest within the workplace, and since that day, I am super passionate about people not only experiencing God's best for their life spiritually, but also mentally, physically, honoring him in that way, and really pushing yourself to feel 
the best that you potentially could feel by eating the right things and exercising. One of the things you mentioned that I feel like so important is that you said you surrounded yourself with people who were doing the same thing you were. That accountability, uh, we talk about it a lot at Fitness and Faith Ministries. We talk about the accountability and the team helping each other out. Uh, I just think that's so important, that, that accountability. Well, you are the average of your five closest friends. So I've heard it like this, too. Look, I can look at your friends, and I can tell you your future. So when I was overweight, the people I was surrounding myself with were eating fast food every day. Exercise was not a priority in their life. But when I started to surround myself with those who were passionate about staying active, whether it was through exercising in the gym or simply getting out and walking, hiking, running, playing sports, going to the gym, eating healthy, well, I became like them. And I found that to be true in my finances. When I hung out with broke people, I was broke. (laughs) When I surrounded myself with people who had budget and cared about putting God first in their finances and stewarding that well, well, I was able to get out of debt. When I surrounded myself with people who were positive, and optimistic about things in life, I became more positive. So that always connected with me, thinking that the people I surround myself with is most likely what I'm going to become, and that's been true in my life. That is true with us, uh, especially youth. I worked with youth most of my life, and I would always try to tell them, look at who you're hanging around. Absolutely. Well, why do you think both, why do you think both physical and spiritual development are important for us while we're in this human form? I think they're connected together. I've seen so many people who are struggling in life. Maybe they're frustrated, discouraged. They're on the brink of burnout. I see that in ministry often. And they're quick to blame it on the abundance of tasks that are required to do a ministry effectively. In ministry, you're you're dealing with people. We're in the people business, obviously. But we also know people can be messy, including me. And and they're quick to blame their frustration or discouragement on the pace that you run at ministry or, or blame it on God. Or, God, why are you not bringing me peace in this season? Why are you not bringing me joy in this season? Why do I find constantly find that I'm exhausted? But show me what you're eating. Show me how you're taking care of yourself. Show me what your sleep schedule looks like. And I can probably connect some dots on why you feel the way you feel. And if you're sleeping three hours a night and you're exercising one day a week and you're eating fast food three times a day, I know what that feels like. And when I was doing all those things, I was irritable. I was discouraged. I didn't feel good. I had no confidence. But when you're eating the right things and you're you're eating uh, fruits and vegetables and nuts and all these things that are proven to help with brain function and, and energy and and uh, elevate your mood into a, a positive place, well, that carries over into your spiritual life. And you're able to bypass the snooze button and wake up and read God's Word and spend time with Him and have a more positive outlook on life and feel more energized to 
energy to do all of those things. I like to compare it to water. The physical and spiritual being being one while we're in this human form is like water being you know two part hydrogen, one part oxygen. We don't go around exactly. talking about them as separate things. It's water. Exactly. And you know our physical and spiritual being are, are together while we're here. How about you? One hundred percent. How about personally? What's your favorite form of exertion? I like to do creative workouts. I get bored easily, and if I do the same workout over and over and over again, eventually I don't want to work out. So. For me, I like to do CrossFit training. I like to do P90X-type workouts, body weight-type workouts. And even more than the workouts themselves, I like to stay active. I think so many people think that they don't have time in their schedule to fit exercise in. But it's not really about managing your time. It's about managing your energy and finding ways to stay active. Even if you don't have an hour a day, you don't need an hour a day. Most of my workouts are 20 to 25 minutes maximum. But I would even venture to say for the person who, for whatever reason, can't find that 20 to 25 minutes a day in this season, what if you were to wake up and do 10 push-ups one day and then do 10 push-ups the next day? Over a year period, that's a lot of push-ups. And it doesn't take much whether it's parking as far away from the office as possible and walking or taking the stairs to the third floor instead of the elevator or standing while you're watching TV, I think small things over time lead to big results. For me in this season, with the hectic schedule that we have and traveling and the amount of events that we have and connecting with different people, and, and we've seen a lot of rapid growth in our ministry, which is a blessing, I do between 20 and 25 minutes maximum, and um, I, I feel great about that. Anything's better than nothing, and there have been studies that have shown that 15 minutes of, of good, intense exercise do wonders for us. I, I, I would totally agree with that. Well, how about spiritually? How do you work on your spiritual self? So recently, that's been a challenge for me in a couple of ways, one of those being I'm not the most planned or organized or structured person naturally. I'm very spontaneous. I love people. I'm very relational. So someone wants to pop in the office and have a conversation, I'm going to put the work down and we're going to have a conversation. Typically, someone calls me on the phone, I'm going to pick it up and, and see how I can serve them or connect with them or catch up with them. I like to have fun. But I've had to discipline and train myself to be intentional with my personal time with God. So recently, over the past few months, I've started something new referred to as time blocking. And I read it in a book called The One Thing. And that book is meant to help you focus on the one thing that is going to make the most impact in whatever you're doing. So whether it's the one conversation I'm having with someone and instead of checking my phone every five minutes or letting someone walk by and interrupt me, it's being so focused in that one conversation that I can give them everything that I have. Or it's if I'm a communicator, as I, as I get to be in ministry, 
focusing on that gift more than anything else and empowering other people to step into their gifts and focusing very intentionally on my gift of communication. But what I've also broken that down to is setting aside 30 minutes every single morning and time blocking it in my calendar so that if I miss that appointment with myself every single day because I believe that the most important appointment that I'm going to have every single day is one with myself. And if I miss that appointment, then I'm held accountable to that because it's actually locked into my calendar. If I schedule something, I'm 95% more likely to actually follow through and do it if it's in my calendar. Now, that's just how I'm wired. Right. Everyone else needs to do what works for them. But for me, if from 6 a.m. to 6.30 a.m., I have blocked out in my calendar, read the Bible. Then I'm going to wake up at 6 a.m., and I'm going to put my phone on airplane mode because I don't think there's too many emergencies happening at 6 a.m. that people actually need me. I don't need to check my Facebook. I don't need to check to see how many likes I got on the Instagram post from last night. But instead, for 30 minutes, I'm going to spend intentional time with God. And if I can start there and get that win under my belt, changes the trajectory of my day in a very positive way. We also, as a staff and as a core team in our church, for the past three years, we are fasting together every single month. And if we can put aside the desires of the flesh, a.k.a. food, and focus on drawing near to God and spending intentional time with Him, we will experience all the things that He wants to do in and through our lives so every single month, there's about 12 of us who are doing some sort of a fast together, not because we want to get something from God, but because we want to grow closer to God. And that has really helped me to fill his presence in ways that I've never experienced before. Well, that's an interesting team-building concept right there, fasting together. How long do y'all do that, and is there different types? Different types, for sure. Each year, we begin the new year with a 21-day fast, and it's a Daniel fast, which a Daniel fast comes from the book of Daniel, and it consists of fruits, vegetables, nuts, water. And we do that for 21 days, and in that 21-day period, each person who's participating in that fast chooses one specific area in their life that they want to pray to God for and receive clarity on. And for 21 days, we pray for that, we focus on that, and we also choose different pieces of Scripture that we want to study together. And we've done that now for the past three years. And we have seen the church grow from 197 people in July of 2014 to now averaging over 1,600 people worshiping the Lord every single week. And... I believe that we can look back and say it was because of fervent prayer and fasting and bringing people to church, those three things that we've seen God honor and bless was happening here in Roanoke, Virginia. But fasting is a powerful thing when combined with specific prayer. And you mentioned scripture, which brings me to my next question. Do you have a favorite Bible verse or verses you'd like to share with us? Ephesians 3.20 has become a theme in my life, and it's now to him who is 
able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And the reason I love that verse, Mike, is when I first started following Christ and then I began to serve in the church, I never believed that God could use someone like me based on everything I had been through and everything I had done in my past. And I had a hard time believing this scripture that God wants to do immeasurably more, abundantly more than anything I could ever imagine according to his power that's at work within me. I had a hard time believing that, but as I've continued to walk in obedience with him, and again, surround myself with other people who saw potential in me when I didn't see it in myself. I went from being in a jail cell in July of 2009 to now baptizing over 400 people in the past few years. So I have clung to that scripture because so many times I'm discouraged. So many times I feel like God's done with me. So many times I feel inadequate or that I don't deserve, which I don't deserve, but I just don't feel qualified to do the things that God's called me to do. And whether somebody's in vocational ministry, or there's a mom listening to this podcast right now, or a, a husband listening to this podcast right now, I believe in Ephesians 3.20, for every single person who will continue to walk in obedience with God, that God wants to use every single one of us in abundantly more ways than we could ever ask, dream, or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in every single one of us. And that has been a theme in my life, and I absolutely love that scripture. It keeps me encouraged. I heard a great sermon on that bit of scripture. It was John Maxwell, and he kept going back to asking the question, how much? And, of course, the mm. answer was immeasurably more. Come on. It's more. And, more and than we could ever imagine. More. Yeah. Whatever limit we're setting for ourselves, uh-uh. Immeasurably more. Come on. I love that. That's fantastic. How about a favorite quote? Favorite quote. That's a great question. I thought a lot about this, and I've got many that have helped me in different seasons. But one that has stuck with me for about the past six years is, if the why is big enough, the how doesn't matter. If your why is big enough, you'll figure out the how. And I think it's so easy, whether it's ministry, whether it's sports, whether it's just going through the motion of doing life, to just get into a routine and wake up, get the kids ready, take them to school, go to work, come home, eat dinner, go to bed, and 10, 15 years maybe of doing that over, 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 over again, people ask themselves, hey, is there something more to life? And one of the things that I've learned within our culture as a church is we're constantly asking ourselves, why are we doing what we're doing? Why is it important to put God first in my finances? Why is it important to exercise consistently? Why do we do certain things as a church? If you serve in our church, we're going to explain the why behind every single thing you do. Instead of telling Mike 
one of our new volunteers to go put up that orange tent outside on your first day and just telling you to do it, I'm going to tell you why you're doing it. Because it's at that orange tent that after someone places their faith in Christ at the end of the worship service, I'm going to communicate from stage to go out to that orange tent because we would love to celebrate that decision with him. And it's at that orange tent that's going to be a visual for them when they come out of church that day that they're going to experience community. They're going to experience celebration. They're going to experience people coming around them and walking them through their next steps so they can continue to grow in their faith. That's why, Mike, you're putting the orange tent up every single Sunday. Now, do you think that person is more motivated to put up the orange tent than if I would have just told them, go put up the orange tent? I think they probably are. So that stuck with me, is if I know my why, I'll figure out anyhow. And I revisit that ministry so often because ministry can be difficult. It's one of the most challenging yet most rewarding things that I've ever been a part of, vocational ministry. I believe that we are all in ministry. Your ministry is where you are. But I know that personally vocational ministry is challenging, and I'm constantly connecting back to why I do it. And my why is I want every single human being to experience the same grace that I experienced when I was at my rock bottom in 2009, and someone cared enough about me to get me to church to experience the gospel. And that same grace that saved me is available to every single human being on this earth. And I take myself back mentally to that place often and think about how, how lonely I was, how depressed I was, how discouraged I was. But then I think about God's love for me and how I experienced the tangible love of Jesus in that moment. And that encourages me to get up and continue to press forward and not only invite people to church but love on them when they get there, continue to build relationships with them beyond church, and continue to press the mission of God forward in this city so we can see revival happen. When the why is big enough, the how doesn't matter. I love it. Well, we have a million-dollar question at the end of this. It's, it's, for all the, it's for all the marbles. If you could only put one thing on a t-shirt or billboard that everyone you know or with whom you come in contact could see every single day, what would that be? That is a great question, and I've pondered this question, and I've tried not to rip off other slogans, but if that, I could do one, just you're, just one. Just one thing you could put on that thing. I'd say do it now. Do it now. Here's what. Here's why. I think so many people procrastinate their purpose. They procrastinate because of fear. They contemplate. They're constantly strategizing. How do I get from A to B? How do I reach my goals? How do I take this to the next level? Even if you put it in the context of fitness, well, let me get this plan together, and then I'll work out. Well, I'm going to buy this, this big nutritional plan that I saw on TV, and then I'm going to go to the grocery store. And if people would just take action, just do it now. Stop having conversations. Do it now. Quit thinking about it. Do it now. Well, should I serve God or should I not serve God? Do it now. I don't know if I should be a part of this church. Or do it right now. What's holding you back? Serve him now. Get connected to a small group. Begin to grow in your faith. Should I trust God with my finances? Do it now. I think in every aspect of our life, if we, if we would just take massive action, 
and I'm not saying blindly just do anything and everything, right. but there's so many things that we overanalyze and we procrastinate on, whether it's the voices in our head that hold us back from stepping into those things or maybe it's a little bit of fear within. Do it now. I think, it, I think it goes back to your quote. You, you have the why. Once you have the why, get going. That Don't sit there and try to ponder all the hows. Once you have that why, do it now. Absolutely. Well, I've really enjoyed visiting with you and hearing your story. Um, how can people find you? My favorite social media platform is Instagram, and it would be at Dustin Stradley, D-U-S-T-I-N-S-T-R-A-D-L-E-Y. And I love posting stories of what God is doing through our ministry. I love telling stories. I love helping people see how God can use them. So that's one way. Also, Facebook as well and Twitter. And everything is Dustin Shredley. Well, again, Dustin, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you. It's an honor to join you guys. When I'm coaching teams and we come to the end of a practice or game, we gather together for a couple of reminders before we part ways. These are your reminders. Be sure to learn about the benefits of being on the Fitness and Faith team, which include our More Through Multiplication charitable giving program by checking out our website at fitnessandfaithministries.org, where you will also find valuable tools and information like our weekly blog study, exertion video links, and links to healthy recipes. It's all designed to help you find your fit. Use the contact page to send us your fitness and faith funny or suggest someone who would be a great interview. Thanks again for listening to the Fitness and Faith podcast. And remember, it's always a great day to live life inspired and energized with fitness and faith.